Hello there, everyone. Welcome to Digital Nomad Mastery, the podcast and the video cast where we teach you how to make income while traveling the world. And on today's episode, we have a very unique story of Alex Berger, who actually moved from the U.S. and has relocated himself over there in Copenhagen, Denmark, definitely one of the most beautiful cities in Europe. I had a chance to go there in my early 20s when I was backpacking around. I absolutely love Denmark, absolutely love Copenhagen. Uh, so we're going to be finding out about Alex, about his travel blog, about his podcast, about uh, his move, and why he loves Denmark so much. Uh, so Alex, um, let's start at the beginning. If you want to share a little bit more about yourself. Yeah, so uh, I guess like any good story, it starts a long, long, long time ago, more than 20 years ago. Uh, my folks uh, were serial travelers, serial educators, uh, and when my brother and I were born, they kind of started taking us out to travel a little bit, but where it got really interesting was in place of fifth grade. And so they looked at the schools, they knew that they, they wanted to take us traveling, and so uh, in, in, in 95, 96, they basically uprooted the family, we rented out our house, uh, and then we spent 11 months backpacking through Europe as a family, just the four of us. So I was 11, my brother was, <clears throat> what was he? He was, uh, he was eight. And uh, we had three month year rail passes at the beginning, met a Canadian family in Crete who uh, needed the car off their passport, drove the last half of it, uh, had an incredible formative experience. And then uh, we got back to the US, spent a year in the US. Folks look at the state of the school systems in Sedona, where, where in Arizona, where I, uh, I kind of grew up said, uh, this won't do, and uh, packed us all into a 32-foot fifth-wheel trailer with the Border Collie and a crew cab pickup truck. I can't remember if it was a Ford or a Chevy. Uh, but then we spent uh, another, I guess, 11, 12 months doing a, a big loop around the, the U.S. Uh, so that kind of uh, ignited an early passion for travel and kind of exposed me to it. But it uh, it was actually, it was quite a while until I kind of did my next uh, first real solo trip it was actually after my bachelor's and that that's when i then decided to go and do the three month study abroad and that then led me to blogging uh so there was the the blogging period i came back uh from a three-month solo trip at that point uh i uh had started the blog kind of a classic hey mom and dad i don't want to send individual emails to 40 people so here's what i did today um, blog that then uh, I continued with and morphed into Virtual Wayfair, which I've been now authoring since 2007. And, and as I've been authoring the blog, uh, I've kind of spent some time working in mergers and acquisitions. Uh, then I, I did that for three and a half years and, and, and thought, oh, you know what, I'm, I'm done with Arizona. It's time to go somewhere. So uh, I, I figured what better way to do that than to do it with a master's degree, which would give me uh, just by happenstance a two-year visa to Europe. Uh, where I could then kind of uh, set up, work on building the commercial side of the blog, look on, you know, travel cheaply, um, have that whole experience, time the study abroad community. Uh, I did that uh, as part of the master's, uh, but then finished the degree, um, decided that I actually didn't want to go full time with the blog, stepped back from that a little bit. So I keep that as, a, uh, let's say, a semi-professional hobby instead of a full time career. Uh, and then dove into a marketing role at an advertising technology company, which uh, has uh, basically paid the bills for uh, the last couple of years, which uh, now means I've been in Copenhagen for uh, just over, over six years. What a journey. Uh, you know, I'm 
definitely interested in um, you know all those different parts of it. Uh, I particularly am interested in the whole uh, how your family travels with you because um, uh, for those of you who don't know, I, we actually traveling the world without three kids. They're actually much younger than you were when you traveled with your parents. Um, my kids are five, three, and one, and we're traveling around the world for at least a year uh, just to expose them to the world and uh, obviously to, to learn about the different cultures and world schooling them. And right now they're at such a young age, they're not in school, so they're not being pulled out of anything major. Uh, so I'm really curious to know, how did that actually form you and shape you in terms of your mind, your learning, uh, et cetera? Like what was, what was the really the changes that happened to you as a child who traveled with their parents? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, th there were a, a couple of different ways that it really had, a, had an instrumental impact on us. The, the first, of course, is it gave us uh, an incredible relationship as a family. Uh, you know, I've, I've kind of interviewed mom and dad about it uh, in recent years, and they said, well, we weren't really sure. We figured it would either destroy the family or it would completely, they were in, in, in ways that, uh, that are, you know, that are very special. And, uh, and luckily it was the latter of the two. And uh, the result has been that uh, we, we are, we're very close and have this, this kind of shared relationship. And uh, to this day, we'll, we'll go and travel uh, for a couple weeks, almost a month every year together uh, and, uh, and go, go somewhere. It gets harder now that my brother and I are working. Uh, but, uh, you know, uh, the ability to, to do that and to create new memories as you're, as you're going and to have that, that long history has been invaluable. But from, uh, from a kind of formative standpoint, I think there's, there's a lot to be gained from just the exposure that you get from it. Uh, at one level, talking to adults and engaging with adults at an early age across all different ages uh, was, was huge in shaping our ability to uh, communicate in our interests and our passions. Uh, being exposed to different foods, arts, culture, ways of behaving, thinking, all of those also uh, really kind of re, uh, not reformulated, but, but, but reshaped uh, the traditional experience and perception. So, you know, I was fascinated by Greek mythology, which then gave life to a passion in, for communication and history, which I think led to my degrees, my education, and, and my career. The fibers all the way down. Um, I'm also kind of curious about the flip side. What were the negative effects in terms of like obviously got pulled out of school um, and then the, you uh, were living on an RV. So I guess your friendships got affected. Your Talk us through the difficulties and the challenges of uh, life on the road with, the, with your family. Sorry, one more time. The connection dropped on me. Oh, uh, what I was asking you, uh, Alex, is... Uh, what were some of the challenges and difficulties in terms of life on the road, in terms of, uh, um, you know, being pulled out of school, being pulled away from friends? Walk us through some of the challenges. Yeah, I, I think, you know, one of, the, one of the biggest challenges was also ultimately one of the biggest strengths. And it was, it was that period is a, at that point somewhat formative, uh, especially because it disrupted and, and in the same way someone that moves from one town to another town has issues. Um, the, or for me, it was a big challenge because I, I came back from that trip and I was, uh, you know, I had seen in the, the Parthenon, I had been on the Eiffel Tower. I wanted to talk about history and I wanted 
to share all of that. Uh, and the, you know, the, the, the people that I, I came back to uh, and then was supposed to interact with and befriend and engage with uh, were, uh, you know, a bunch of uh, sixth graders. Um, and they were focused on whatever the latest pair of Nikes they had and whatever music they were listening to and, uh, you know, uh, chasing girls and, and doing that, uh, that routine, right? Uh, so it, it took me a while to um, learn how to re-socialize properly um, in that environment and, and not to... Um, you know, to basically to strike a good balance between talking about and expressing the things that I, I was curious and passionate and engaged about um, what was interesting and relevant and uh, kind of needed to be done from a social, uh, from a social capital standpoint with the, the other 12 and 13 year old kids, right? It got easier as they got older and uh, they had more different and divergent interests, um, and it got easier as I became more aware of of what it was. And and you know, uh, I, I remember Dad saying that it's it's a social game. You you figure out what you want out of it, and then you figure out what the rules are, and then you play by that, right? And uh, there was there was a certain element of challenge to that. Uh, socially awkward. It was challenging. I can't say that like freshman year of high school was my favorite year uh, ever, right? I know middle school was probably a little bit challenging for my brother, uh, socially for the same reasons, but also because we were, uh, we were a bit weird. Uh, and that was good weird, but it was, uh, you can't go and see the world and then come, it's the same problem adults have that have gone and done a, a major trip and then they go back to their hometown and, you know, the friends that never traveled and then are sitting there trying to explain it and trying to relate and try and connect. So it doesn't change our ability to understand it just evolves a little bit. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that perspective It's definitely good for us who are parents now who are traveling with the kids to hear that, uh, you know, obviously it was good for the kids. We don't mess them up. So it's always really good to hear how you turned out 20 years later. So thanks for sharing that. Um, so I'm curious to know about you now as an, a, a, now you're an adult and you're still passionate about traveling, living abroad, etc. So I'm particularly interested in the why, I mean, out of all those cities and all the countries, all the continents in the world, you chose uh, Copenhagen in terms of doing, et cetera. Why Denmark and why Copenhagen to do your master's? You know, this is where it's a little bit embarrassing because I wish that there was a really complex, really sophisticated, really, uh, you know, like fantastic story, like uh, fell in love with this beautiful Danish girl or something like that. Uh, I, I've been working for an incredible small mid-market mergers and acquisitions group for three and a half years. I'm tired of Arizona. Uh, I was doing 20-day uh, trips twice a year, which I was able to work, uh, work out because of the nature of the work I was doing. Um, but, but I knew that I wanted to relocate. And so I basically looked at, at what my options were. And, okay. Uh, for relocating, I'm either going to relocate for a job or I'm going to relocate uh, for education. I've only got a bachelor's at this point. Uh, let's see if I can do a PhD or a master's to get somebody to pay for my relocation. Uh, at that point, I was super interested in a virtual world education startup, uh, exploring that or potentially um, going full time with my travel blog. Uh, because by then, I had already been doing the blog for 
uh, oh, uh, blah, 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 yeah, five, six years. Um, and, um, you know, the idea of traveling the world for, for free, getting paid to travel the world, um, the, the kind of vagabond lifestyle, uh, wayfaring my way uh, around um, seemed fantastic, right? Um, but at the same time, I didn't want to just take the trip and jump straight into it. Uh, I figured I'd do a year-long round-the-world trip at some point. Uh, but so I pulled up a list of the top 50 universities globally. I figured that they had money. Uh, and uh, I went down the list, found mm -hmm. the ones that were in places that sounded interesting. Uh, I'm quite, uh, quite liberal. So I figured, um, you know, Denmark and Scandinavia sounded interesting. The girls were probably quite pretty. They were super kind of socially uh, open-minded, liberal, progressive. Um, but it was one of uh, eight universities I applied to. Uh, and ultimately it came down to uh, going to DC and Georgetown wanted, you know, 120,000 for, for the education and, and cost of living for two years. And University of Copenhagen came through and they said, uh, yo, we'll give you a tuition waiver. Uh, and so I said, all right, so uh, crap, I guess I need to, uh, I gotta go for this, right? Two year visa to Europe, free tuition, higher rank university. Um, okay, two years, here I go. Uh, and then I used that to continue to travel and to uh, really explore the uh, sojourner uh, study abroad experience. Um, and as it turned out, Copenhagen is this magical city. I'd only spent two days here in July uh, on a Scandinavian trip previously. And, uh, and it was sunny and it was summer and it was you know, these long northern days. Uh, so it was a whole different world at that point in time. Uh, the, the thing I was the most worried about as an Arizona boy was, uh, you know, I was going to show up and freeze my butt off all winter. Um, didn't know what to expect snow-wise and everything else. But in truth, in Prescott, back in Arizona, we, uh, we end up getting more snow than Copenhagen. So, uh, you know, uh, the winters, they're not there's no summer, but, uh, but uh, I recently heard it described as, you know, there's green winter and there's there's white winter, and uh, <laughs> but it's uh, it, it it is absolutely spectacular, yeah, and it is quite mild. So uh, I've completely fallen in love. You fell in love, and now you stayed. Uh, so uh, you've been in Denmark for several years now. Uh, where do you see yourself? Are you going to stay there long term? Uh, you know, find a cute Danish girl, as you mentioned, get married, sell down, have some European kids. Uh, what does the future hold for you? It's interesting, right? Because there's there's this interesting challenge. The more we live abroad, the more we travel, the more we do all the things where our identity kind of morphs. We're all always and forever be completely American, but uh, how that, the nature of that has kind of evolved over time. And, you know, I don't necessarily fit now in either world. I'll never become Danish. Uh, it's not a, it's not a possibility, right? And, and, and I don't have a desire. Uh, but at the same time, I'm, you know, not purely kind of uh, Arizona and American anymore, right? My, my worldview, my pacing, my way of life has all evolved uh, in, a, in a different direction. Um, so in truth, I don't, uh, I really don't know. I mean, the, the work-life balance here, the flexibility, uh, you know, it, by, by being in Denmark, I get 25 days of vacation guaranteed by the, by the state, uh, plus an additional five from the employer. Um, and, uh, there's the actual expectation that I take those, uh, those holidays. Right. Um, so, uh, it's frowned upon very heavily if you don't, um, you know, I work a 37 hour work, 
uh, work week, um, but it is 37 hours, right? There's, it, it's not 37 on paper. It's uh, very concrete, well-balanced that way. Um, so the quality of life and the standard of living is extremely high. Um, I don't know how that evolves as, as I, you know, at some point I hit a, a point where I'm tired of being a, a sojourner or an expat um, or, uh, and, uh, you know, meet a partner where, who knows, right? Um, but, uh, but right now, uh, I, yeah, I, I love the balance and I love the, the access it gives. I mean, it's, it's, it's literally living in a fairy tale, right? Hans Christian Andersen, all that stuff comes from, from Copenhagen. And, you know, I walk out the door through cobblestone streets and incredible canals. And, you know, I, I just got back, uh, uh, two days ago, a day ago from Iceland where, you know, it was a, a quick flight over that and, you know, a night's hotel room stay in, in, in some cities. So, you know, it's, uh, it makes for this incredible lifestyle and yeah, the Danes are fantastic. English, you know, isn't a barrier. I, I haven't had to learn Danish for work, for other things. So I can interact, I can engage, um, and, uh, you know, have an incredible community. So it's, uh, it, it, it's definitely different. Like, uh, at the start of the masters, I wasn't even sure I'd make it six months, let alone the full two years for the masters. And then I figured I'd take a job anywhere. Uh, or be, you know, a travel blogger wandering the world for the rest of my life. So uh, it's been uh, it's been an interesting evolution. So you mentioned uh, you travel blog a few times, and you mentioned at one point you actually wanted to do that as a full time career. A lot of actual travel bloggers, travel writers, they think they're going to do that, and then they realize it's actually a lot harder than it appears. And then they pretty much uh, they don't give up necessarily, but then they might make it a side project. So I would love to hear your story about your travel blog. Uh, when did you start it up? Um, and tell us a little bit about the origin story and why did you start it up and some of the major themes and topics you're writing about on your travel blog. Yeah, so the origin very much was I graduated from my bachelor's, went to Europe, um, and, uh, you know, started the classic today. I walked down the street. The cobblestones were pretty. Isn't this fantastic? Um, over time, that evolved to advice uh, eventually to the point where uh, I was really looking at building it up, really treating it more like a resource. Uh, and then started to get fairly serious about, um, you know, doing it as, as a, a semi-professional and then potentially professional outlet. Um, as I dove into it and I built the audience, I changed the content that I was generating. I, um, you know, got more promotional in what I was doing. I looked at my structure. I started to network heavily. Um, and all of this was circa 2000, 2010, 2011, 2012. Um, the conclusion I came to um, was that, you know, in essence, um, you have this vision of, of doing a travel blog that then launches this incredibly flexible lifestyle where you're traveling the world uh, and you get to do everything for experience, all these fantastic things. And, um, you know, you have all this spare time and, and, and um, yeah, you know, the narrative. Right. Um, and uh, and the reality of the situation was very quickly. I, you know, I realized as I started working with DMOs and brands and things like that, that okay, even if I did a, a sponsored trip at this great hotel or this, you know, great safari or whatever it was, um, even if all my expenses were compensated, that trip was still going to cost me money, right? Because there's opportunity costs, there's food in between, things like that. So that necessarily wasn't, wasn't as sustainable. Uh, I was uh, able to hit the caliber where I was compensated for trips, um, 
uh, you know, a good, uh, good level of compensation and, and, and at that, at that level. But as I looked at it, I realized that the, that there were, there were two fundamental kind of challenges. Um, one was that basically, um, you know, the vision is sitting on a beach on your, on your, um, on your laptop, writing 500 words every once a week, and then spending the rest of the time experiencing everything. Uh, the reality is, is that you're launching a full-time magazine, typically as one or two people, um, digital magazine, uh, on top of trying to travel full-time. Uh, and most people wouldn't be successful launching a full-time magazine, uh, Anyway, right? Like, uh, if, if they were sitting in town in, in, in their local community, let alone going and, 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 you know, trying to launch that on top of traveling full time and doing everything. Uh, so I realized that uh, that's very doable, but, it, but that's also why so many people supplement with other income streams. They are a graphic designer that happens to travel. They are, um, and also why people slow down as they get more successful, because fundamentally you can't be moving super quickly, super regularly uh, for more than a few months or a year. Uh, in a sustainable way. And as I looked at that more and more, and I looked at, at, at friends who have, you know, kind of gone that route, um, there's a, there's an emotional side to it too, where to make relationships, to find partners. I didn't have, uh, you know, a girlfriend at the time or a, a wife or a serious partner. Um, it, it becomes extremely challenging to meet, to make those connections and uh, uh, to, to have those, those social connections. And also there's the wear and tear uh, from a kind of emotional uh, an emotional side of it, right? Um, the ability to uh, just constantly go and move and discover and, and recreate friendships and reset up and relearn places. And that's, that's part of the excitement and that's part of the allure. But at the same time, um, I wanted a little bit more in the way of deeper connections. Uh, and so what I pivoted to uh, then was much more having a, a more concrete base, which of course is Copenhagen. Um, and then treating the blog as a semi-professional outlet where uh, you know, I'll still team up with brands. I'm still part of professional collectives um, and, uh, you know, uh, have uh, an, an engaged following and, and, and great partnerships in it. Uh, but it, it's something that takes me back and enables me to do what I want as a supplement to um, what I get out of a balanced work-life balance through my normal day job. Uh, and that that was the right recipe for me. Uh, so Virtual Wayfair is still doing good. I mean, YouTube, I'm at, you know, more than more than a million views um, you know, podcast is, is, is doing, uh, is doing well as well. Uh, so, you know, uh, but it, at this point it gets to, it gets to be purely recreational and purely as a creative outlet. Um, and I think, uh, that's one of the important points of differentiation, right? Is, is this a way that I'm going to monetize and pay for a lifestyle or, uh, you know, and I don't necessarily does to that lifestyle or, or am I going to really focus on the lifestyle and, and have this as a as an advantageous outlet as a result of that. Um, and I think it's the personality component and where you are with your life and how long you can do it um, is is a big chunk uh, that's often missing from the conversation, especially because of the ramp up time. Uh, you know, a lot of them, as soon as they hit uh, and they're making the money, they burn out, uh, or you know, they're they're kind of travel burned out or or that side of it, and then. You know, they've, they've taken something that they love because it's like a great press trip is, is a press trip where you have a lot of freedom, but so many press trips, it's, uh, you know, it, uh, you're, you're going from nine to nine to 10 at night or nine in the morning, 10 at night. Um, they're running you around and you're eating all this amazing food, but you can't appreciate it. And you don't have the time to, you know, it's a good problem to have. Right. Um, but, um, you can't do that nonstop every day for, for a year, two years, 10 years.
Yeah, you know, I, I definitely hear that story uh, about the burnout, uh, both in terms of the workload when you're traveling as a digital nomad and you're working and then traveling, working, traveling, packing and packing. And uh, even for ourselves, I mean, we've been traveling for eight months now, eight months, and uh, we actually slowed it down. We're here in Medellin, Colombia, which is a big digital nomad hotspot, and we're actually here for about a month. And uh, it actually feels good. <laughs> you're gonna, if you're watching the video version, you know I have a closet with clothes. I don't have to live out of a backpack. Uh, so it actually feels good for the mind, the soul, and also it feels good just to go to the local coffee shop. Uh, you know, to know the currency, to feel like you're at home uh, because we all need the sense of home. Ian, when we're traveling. So I'm glad you found your home in Copenhagen. Uh, you know, uh, you also have a podcast, and I love interviewing other podcasters uh, such as yourself. Uh, tell us a little, bit, a little bit more about the podcast. When did you start it up, and what are the major themes and topics that you're, um, that you're sharing on the podcast? Yeah, so my, my background educationally was cognition communication. That was the degree, um, you know, the, the experiences as a kid made me fascinated by anthropology and those experiences, sociology, right? So... Then when I got to Denmark, I was kind of looking around at the Danes. The Danes are quite quirky. Uh, you know, they're fantastic, but they're they're super uh, uh, unusual because you have this wonderful, highly collectivistic culture that um, you know looks after after each other. That is, um, you know, very uh, very affluent compared to to many countries. Very well educated, um, and uh, it has this long standing heritage and these rich traditions and you have things like yandela which is this behavioral kind of embodiment of the of the social norm that you know the nail that sticks up gets hammered down so it's it's this collectivistic mentality all these different things right and being an ex an outsider uh that was fascinated and wanted to learn about the danes i picked up all this information and all these observations and i i a lot of that ended up on the blog um but ultimately i, I thought about it and i thought okay well for for the youtube videos why not why not turn these into videos? Why not kind of talk about some of these and, and try and digest it into something fun? And so I did that uh, in a series I called Denmark 101. And uh, as ha happens so often, right, I thought my audience was going to be people studying abroad. And I thought it was going to be, um, you know, uh, people relocating to Denmark. And of course, uh, I think about 80% of my traffic is from Danes that are just fascinated by, you know, an outsider's take on Danish culture and, and the observations that way. Uh, I've got, I think, I want to say 57, uh, 57 videos. Uh, the podcast lags behind a little bit, but it's, uh, it's similar, uh, similar format where I repurpose the audio from, uh, from the videos and, and then that goes live as uh, Denmark 101. Uh, so uh, the... The videos have been been fantastic. I've got uh, hundreds of thousands of, uh, of net views on that. Um, the podcast is uh, is closing in on about fifteen thousand uh, listens. So uh, slowly but uh, but surely catching on over there, and it, it's it's fantastic. You know, that's one of those things too. Uh, talking about uh, a culture to that culture, where you know every time I kind of click publish, I, I kind of do it through, you know, through a the you know half closed eyes because it's it's like all right what are the Danes gonna you know how are the Danes gonna receive this and um and and luckily they're they're a little bristly about a, a lot of the things that get written by expats and sojourners about Denmark but they've uh, they've been incredibly supportive of uh, of my videos and my take so I think part of that's you know because I don't take the whiny expat approach which is always a little tiresome um, but uh, a lot of it's just because I mean I find them 
it's it's fascinating, right? Like uh, you, you die, and I I would love to expand the series to other countries, but I guess I'd have to go live there for a little while uh, at, at some point. Awesome, uh, you know I'll definitely have the links below. Uh, so if people wanted to connect with you, uh, you know, follow your blog, follow your adventures in Denmark, listen to your podcast, watch your videos, etc. How can they do that, Alex? Yeah, so the easiest way is alexberger, B-E-R-G-E-R dot net, which is kind of a landing page business card that links you off to my Instagram, my Flickr, everything else. Um, if you're on Instagram, you can follow me as Virtual Wayfarer. Uh, the blog itself, virtualwayfarer.com. Twitter, I'm just Alex Berger. Uh, YouTube is easiest actually through the link or through the blog because it's, uh, it's an old handle, um, but that is uh, as glamdering. Or just Google Denmark 101 or Alex Berger. And uh, yeah, I'll come up. Awesome, man. So make sure you check out alexberger.net. Make sure you check out his website. Make sure you check out the podcast, YouTube, etc. I'll have those links below so it'll be easy for you to just click through. Uh, so thanks over there for your time from beautiful Copenhagen. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. It's been a pleasure. It has been a pleasure. Uh, so definitely connect with Alex and uh, connect with us too. We're Digital Nomad Mastery across the web, digitalnomadmastery.com. Uh, we have a great website with all of our different products and services on there. We also, also have an active and engaged Facebook group. It's called Digital Nomad Mastery Community. If you want to connect with any of our other 200 guests or also a lot of other aspiring new and established digital nomads, a lot of expats as well. Uh, so make sure you connect there and then you can ask questions. How is it life, life, life in Denmark? How is it life, uh, uh, like to live in uh, Copenhagen, etc.? Make sure you uh, connect with that group and uh, make sure you leave us a rating review on iTunes. That really helps us out. And uh, you know, subscribe to us on YouTube uh, right below. Uh, thanks everyone for tuning in to this episode of Digital Nomad Mastery, the podcast and the video cast where we teach you how to make money in the world.